What's going on, everybody? This is Mike Hughes from Mike on the Mic. I'm guested today with my boy since 2000 and probably around five, Kevin Lopka from um, Bears Nation Podcast. Kevin, I'm happy you're here. Thank you for joining me, brother. We're going to be talking some Saints-Bears football today. I'm thrilled, man. This is something we've been waiting for for a long time. Like you mentioned, we've known each other for a long time, and just recently you started this podcast. Um, but you know, right when you started, I said this is the, I want to come on there and talk with you because the conversations we have, whether it's over text or Instagram DMs, they're always good about sports. So we brought it here to Mike on the mic, and I'm real thrilled to join you today. So let's get after it, bro. Honestly, and just to give you guys a little recap, me and Kevin, I met Kevin at uh, Queen of All Saints, right? I think, yeah. yeah, we met at Queen of All Saints. Basically, I went to public school, so I didn't get a chance to like uh, do communion and, and all that good stuff. Um, so uh, every Sunday, me and Kevin would meet up and we'd go to this little, like, it was like this little school and we'd learn about God and stuff like that. Everyone was learning about God. Me and Kevin were chilling in the back talking about Jay Cutler, the the Bulls, the Bears, the Hawks. We, we never, I don't think I ever really learned a single thing while sitting with Kevin. Am I wrong? That sounds about right. No, you're not wrong. We would literally be sitting there like Jay Cutler is ass and we would just be talking the worst stuff. Oh, my God. It it was fun. And now look where we are today. Right, right. And now it's full circle. Oh, my God. It's insane. But I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to get into it with you. Bears versus Saints. I believe it's 325, if I'm not mistaken, on Sunday. Um, I think it's 340. 340. They're so weird. I know, <laughs> but um, it's it's gonna be interesting. I wanted to ask you first off. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get the biggest elephant in the room off the bat. Roquan Smith. What are you thinking? Are you thinking it's like a Danny Trevathan thing last year? Do you think we're gonna see him? Do you think we're not? It's scary. Um, I don't think we're gonna see him. We were recording this uh, on Thursday evening uh, around five fifty-five right now, and as of Thursday, he did not practice. I don't think we're going to see Roquan Smith. Now that is bad, Mike. Let me tell you. I mean, you know that that is very bad that the Bears will not have Roquan Smith. Horrific. Large. Yeah, I mean, lar- large in part because. You can handle – I mean, Jalen Johnson being out is a loss to this team. And you saw Duke Shelley and Kendall Vitter get exposed. But you at least have those guys there. You at least have depth players. Facts. Josh Woods is a backup linebacker right there in replacement of Roquan Smith. Now, we had Josh Woods on Bears Nation Podcast. Great guy, a dude who's been waiting for his moment. He just simply hasn't had the experience in the league yet. Against the Packers in the biggest game of the year – or yeah, biggest game of the year, it was really the first time he's played the most snaps in his career. And he got a little bit exposed last week. A little so bit. You have, you, have, you have to be worried. You have to be worried that you don't have – you know, viable depth there in replacement of Wilcon Smith. I mean, can Josh Wood get the job done? Yeah, I mean, he made some nice plays, but Wilcon Smith is the best player on this defense, and especially at a position where that's the guy calling the shots, that's the guy making all the decisions. I mean, that is the leader of your defense. That's the captain of your defense. For him to be out is a is, is a far greater loss than, say, a guy like Jalen Johnson. Um, so I don't think he's going to play. I'm no doctor. I'm no expert in the medical field. But, you know, the way it looks right now, it is not – too optimistic let's say see and that's exactly how i feel about it now to tie into darnell mooney not practicing today as well with darnell's shoulder i feel like we could find remember anthony miller was a little bit banged up towards i believe in the 2018 playoffs or it was the end of 2019 but he still was able to play he wore a sling on he was able to get the work done um Obviously, you know, Anthony Miller is not the same as he used to be, but Darnell Mooney, I could see realistically playing with a sling or something like that. But with an elbow for the leader of this defense, one of the most athletic ground and pound guys, I really just don't think it's not only is the risk not worth it, 
it's not worth it if he's not completely healthy. And would being able to have to miss him for half of next year or something like that because he completely breaks it, it just wouldn't be worth it to me, regardless of making the playoffs. And I think the weird thing is, too, we don't really know if it is, like, structural, if it's a bone, if it's a muscle. Like, they, I don't think they have released any information at all, which is, you know, kind of leaves us even more worried because we don't know the extent of the injury. Like, right. uh, early on, right after he got hurt, uh, the day after, I mean, there were people con- concerned that this was a season-ending injury, something that could linger in next year. And that would obviously be worst-case scenario. Now, it seems that that is tempered, so I'm sure we've kind of eliminated the idea of it being season-ending. So if the Bears do win against the Saints, you would probably expect him to be back against the Packers in the divisional round. Um, but you got to get there first, and it's going to be hard to do that without Roquan Smith. Most definitely. And and it kind of ties into, and I'm not trying to be that guy. I know we're going to have this conversation later, so I'm going to save it. But um, it also ties into the fact that Danny Trevathan got exposed because of Chuck Pagano's play calling with Roquan Smith out. He was asking him to literally cover on Devontae Adams and other guys who are just elite speed. And and not having guys like Nick Kwiatkowski and others for depth is really hurting us right now. And I think that's one of our biggest flaws is we didn't really... I mean, we have Mingo. Mingo's solid. Don't get me wrong. But um, for the middle linebacker position, he is not going to get it done. Um, it's, just, it's just really nerve-wracking to see that we just really... We have depth in so many places on this team. And then in other places, we have none. And I think you look at the Packers. I mean... You could say, oh, they wasted a first-round pick on Aaron Rodgers. If something happens to Aaron Rodgers, God forbid, um, I mean, Jordan Love is there. You know what I'm trying to say? It's one of those things where it's like, Mm -hmm. it's always next man up, but the guys we have, I mean, Woods is solid. Like you said, he's a great individual. I follow him on Instagram. Um, You know, there's, there's nothing bad I could say about the guy, but it's when it's elite talent versus elite talent, it's, it's just going to be caught. You know what I mean? It's going to, you're going to get caught up. And it's one of my biggest fears is, if Roquan Smith is injured going into next year, what do we do? What do we, who do we draft? Do we draft another linebacker? What do we do? You know what I mean? And it's just one of those risks I'm not willing to take for playing him on Sunday. So I'm completely fine with Josh Wood starting if it is to that case. Because like you said, I mean, we've all had our injuries as athletes, but bone damage, if it's something like that, or if it's a fracture or something, that is major. That is something you might not recover from for months. Yeah, I mean, I think regardless, the Bears are going to take a linebacker because Danny Trevathan is not getting any younger. Most definitely. Um, and you mentioned that depth. I mean, a year ago, guys, I mean, two years ago, uh, a year ago and two years ago, I mean, they had arguably the best linebacker depth in the NFL. I mean, oh, Nick Kwiatkowski is a very, very good player. I mean, he's stepping up over there uh, in Vegas. And then you got Kevin Pierre-Louis, who a lot of people forget about, who came in when Kwiatkowski was injured. I mean, that guy was solid, too. And now he was doing things over in Washington. I don't know what's up with him recently, but... You know, depth is is far more important than a lot of people believe in the Most NFL. Most definitely. Uh, you know, it's just you look at the starting roster, you see 11 guys on defense, 11 guys on offense. This is your team. Well, I mean, the NFL is the one sport that sees the most injuries of anything. So that's also what it does mean that depth is the most important in that sport. Um, so they will definitely go out and get a linebacker. But I'm, I think I'm more on the side that you have – like. Roquan Smith has to play this game. I mean, I, I am fearful, especially when you have a guy like Alvin Kamara out of the backfield. I mean, a, a guy of that dynamic. I mean, he's, start, he's hard to stop regardless. Most uh, definitely. Last game, 
Yeah, I mean, last game against the Bears, and we should bring, we'll bring this up a lot. The last time these two teams played, Bears Saints was twenty six twenty three in overtime. Bears kept that game close, and that was with Nick Foles. Alvin Kamara only had sixty nine rushing yards. Now he did shred him in the passing game, but Bears did, the Bears did a really good job of holding him uh, on on the rushing side. But that passing game just gets even worse when you don't have a guy like Rulon Smith to check him man to man out there. So I, I think I, I'm not going to make a prediction on whether he's going to play or not. But the thing you have to remember too is. I mean, these playoff opportunities, I mean, guys are fortunate to get into the playoffs. I mean, you know, half the league doesn't get into the playoffs. More than half the league doesn't get into the playoffs. If there is any slim possibility that the trainer tells them, you can play, they're going to want to play. I mean, mean, this is their job. They die for this. They are going to want to put themselves out there even if they're not 100%. So you may see a scenario where that that happens. See, and that's – you brought up a beautiful point because if I'm not mistaken, Akeem Hicks didn't even play that full game with Alvin Kamara – not having a great rushing yard game. It was one of those things where I was mm-hmm. fully confident in this defense to stop Elvin Kamara with or without Akeem Hicks. Akeem Hicks being fully healthy, I think we've literally, I'm not going to say we, you know, you can already say it's said and done, but we have already neutralized Elvin Kamara for this week's game. We're, are, we're definitely game planning for it. He's coming off COVID. I hope everything's well with him. I'm going to be honest with you, though. I was hoping that, you know, not that he had symptoms or that he was still ill, but I was just hoping the man just wouldn't be able to play this week. But it seems that, you know, we're going to have to see him. We're going to have to dance to the music. And with or without Roquan Smith, I think rushing the ball with Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, and those boys, I think will be solid. But if Roquan Smith is gone, I think, not to be a hater, Alvin Kamara is going to eat us alive in the backfield. He definitely is. Yeah, I mean, this has not been the most stout Bears rush defense. I think we have to remember that, and I think it's okay to admit that. I mean, we're we're so accustomed to this defense being so good up front, but quite frankly, I mean, I know this is old, but Eddie Goldman, I mean, they miss Eddie Goldman week after oh week God. after week. I mean, it, it, it is visible. Now, now you have to give credit to Bailon Nichols. That guy has stepped it up, but he is more of a guy that gets after the passer, and that's great. You know, he, he's gotten some big-time sacks and big-time pressures and hurries, He's not as good against the run. Simple as that. I mean, you you don't even have Roy Robertson Harris in there, a guy who is also good against the run. So they're depleted up front. So it's not 100% their fault that their rush defense isn't what they're used to. Um, But nonetheless, it's still good. It's not like they're getting completely shredded. They can still hold their own. And it starts with Akeem Hicks. I mean, we know this. And quite frankly, you know, I feel like recently we haven't seen the most out of him. We haven't seen what we're used to out of out of Akeem Hicks, and I don't know if that's because of you know he was sick last week or something. He's shown the fire and the passion. I mean, you saw him in the Jags game, wild up, ready to go. He's right. yelling at dudes' faces in the fourth quarter. That's all good and great. We haven't seen the most out of him recently, but you know, and that's the thing that I love about the playoffs, and that's the thing that I'm going to love about Sunday is it is a different game. It's a totally different atmosphere. It's a different environment. It's a different feeling for these guys. I mean, it's it's a new season. Every single team in the playoffs is 0 and 0. You know what I mean? Right. Everybody has the same chance of making the playoffs. The Bears, the Packers, the Saints, the Chiefs, uh, the Washington football team, they've all got the same shot. And, and you can't tell me differently. It's a clean slate. So, you know, how do you come out this week? I mean, that's the question. Are you going to come out differently in the regular season or is it going to be the same? And that that's going to decide whether they're going to win this game or not. So they got to come out ready um, and hopefully – you know, we get some evidence that they're a different team in the playoffs. Right. And I completely agree with you on all phases of that. And I think one of the biggest things about Akeem right now 
is Robert Quinn. And I don't want to be that guy that puts everything on Robert Quinn only having two sacks on the season because from what we're all reading, he has a foot fracture that's still trying to recover. So I give him all the credit in the world, but I also put that on Chuck Pagano. The fact that we drafted Travis Gibson and we drafted Riley Ridley, and that's not on Chuck, but you know what I mean? And we don't utilize these guys. They don't get a chance to step up. They don't get it. See, my big thing right now is, and trust me, I'm no NFL coordinator. I'm nothing good like that. But even I could tell you that they should be sharing reps. Gibson and Quinn should be sharing reps so that Quinn can, when he is on the field, he's productive. He's not hurting the whole game. If I don't know if that would really do anything, but I think it would be a lot better for not only Hicks, but it would be better for Mac and Roquan and everybody, the fact that have this man on there healthy more times than none. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on that. I, mean, I think the the part where Pagano probably struggles is like, man, this is the guy we're paying all this money for. He needs to be out there for more than 60% of the snaps. I right. mean, that, that's literally why you're paying him $30 million. You know, he, He's supposed to be out there. So I think that's what Pagano sees there. But Pagano has has a lot more issues than just that. Oh, I mean, most it, it definitely. Goes, it goes, I mean, we know that. That's no secret to anybody. I mean, that's no secret to the, the average fan that doesn't know about the X's and O's. You watch the game and you see... Diana Chirathan, like you mentioned earlier, on Marquez Valdez scanning, one of the fastest guys in the NFL, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that that's not going to result well for your defense. It's, it was horrible. Um, now, uh, if I, if I, if there's one thing that Chuck Pagano can do in this game, and what he should be doing, what he should have been doing against the Packers, is you have to blitz, you have to provide a little bit more pressure. Now, don't get carried away because the better quarterbacks in the league will tear you apart at times. But when you like, I, I know people are going to say, "Oh, well, you, you know, you're just saying this," but Drew Brees is old, and Definitely. quite frankly, broken. Yeah, I mean, if the Bears win this game, th- this could very well, most likely, be Drew Brees' last game in the NFL, especially after that, you know, weird injury. I think he had a collapsed lung this year. I mean, he, that yeah. was a that's six just broken ribs. Go through ribs. I mean, this guy has the, the Saints have been a very talented team for the past five years, and he's waiting to win that Super Bowl. If he doesn't get it this year, he's out of the league. Oh, so most if the definitely. Bears win this game, he's gone. So what do you do? How do you make that happen? You put him down on the ground early. I mean, that's it's as simple as that. You look at the Bears' best game this year which was against the Buccaneers, their only win against a winning team, well, against one of the better teams in the NFC, against Tom Brady. What do they do consistently all game? They put Tom Brady on his ass. Sorry exactly. for embarrassing that, but that's what they did. When you have a guy as old as that, you get him on the ground, you get him frustrated, it, it, you're going to win the game. It, it's as simple as that. But if you don't get any pressure, you allow Drew Brees to sit in that pocket and carve you up. And I'm not talking deep balls. I'm talking what Aaron Rodgers did to you. Quick, you know, one second, throw to release plays, you know, out routes, easy, stuff like that. That's how you're going to get shredded. Chuck Pagano needs to bring the house and bring it consistently and put Drew Brees on his ass. And that, that quite frankly, is the best formula you can do. Right. I completely agree. But I also, I didn't know if you heard today, Jalen Johnson was at practice today. He yes. did look better. That is one of my biggest things going into this week because not only is Michael Thomas not going to be there, we have Jalen back. So that way you can either figure out whether you want Duke or somebody else playing. Um, because I do assume Buster will still be out this week. Um, yes. I'm praying for him. I've had a concussion. It's it's scary. He's probably had various ones. Um, it's, it's a scary thing. So I don't blame him at all for not playing. Even if he is cleared, I wouldn't do it. We saw the same thing with Taylor Gabriel last year. Uh, and he hasn't played at all this year. So it's one of those things where... You really don't know what's going inside the mind of them. But having uh, Johnson back out there, I think I think we could figure out a way, even without Smith, for Chuck. Chuck should be able to figure out a way to utilize the passes. You know what I mean? I mean, we should be able to stop them. It's not a big threat. The only real big threat right now, to me at least, um, 
I mean, their top three receivers right now, their backup quarterback is one of them. I mean, it's it's insane to me to think that this conversation would be completely different right now if this was 2018. If we were having this 2018, 2018 Bears defense out right now against this Saints offense, we, we, would be calling, we would be calling game already. We already would. And that's what Chuck needs to remember. He needs to bring these guys back to what they were. And I believe the same thing with the offense as well, with Mitchell Trubisky. We need to remember what this man was coming into the league and what he is now. And, and I kind of wanted to transition into the next part because this big part, and it's why I wanted Kevin on the podcast, is because the man Money Mitch is back. Number 10 is boy, this man never gave up faith. If you don't listen to Bears Nation podcast, you can go back and listen to any single one of them. Kevin never once, not once, even after beating the Bucks, was satisfied with Nick Foles' play, was satisfied with the benching of Mitchell Trubisky, and neither was I. The difference between me and Kevin, Kevin was ride or die till the end, whereas I was, I was like, all right, whatever we got to do to win, let's do it. I always wanted Mitch on the field, but Kevin never gave up, and I'm happy he's finally back. I'm happy we get the end of the year with him. Um, but my big question right now, and I wanted to ask you, we win this game. Mitchell Trubisky's extension, what do you think it looks like? What do you think it is? Do you see him going to the 49ers? Do you see him going to the um, the Pittsburgh Steelers if Big Ben retires, which I'm assuming, you know, it's it's likely. It's looking like he's probably the biggest, uh, the biggest flaw of the Steelers right now. What do you think is going on with Mitchell Trubisky and in his mind? I truly believe Mitch Trubisky will be back with the Bears next year, regardless of how this game plays out. Now, you know, people are fans are so afraid of that. The fans who hate Mitchell Trubisky are so afraid because they think when we talk about re-signing him, they're thinking, oh, a three-year deal for fifty million dollars. What the? No, guys. I mean, this is going to be a one-year prove-it deal that's relatively cheap. Uh, eight million, nine million dollars, somewhere around there. It's a one-year prove-it deal. That's all it's going to be. So. And that's really all it should be. I mean, you, you let's say he goes out this next year, one year, prove it all, put it all on the line. You know, get you have things figured out with Laser as the uh, offensive coordinator. Maybe you draft a weapon, different guy. You got everything in place. If you perform, you know, you get another contract. If you don't, you're gone. I mean, it's it's as simple as that. He, he wasn't given a full opportunity this year. This year was supposed to be the year for that to happen. The Bears did this to themselves. They delayed the process. I mean, we when they declined the fifth-year option, the whole conversation, I mean, because I knew for a fact that Nick Foles was never going to start week one. I knew that was never going to be the case. Yeah, for sure. I said, Mitch Trubisky is going to be the starter, and he should be all year long. Now, that didn't happen because Matt Nagy wasn't, you know, content with the situation he wanted his guy Nick Foles in there and it's the stupidest decision he's ever made as head coach of the Chicago Bears but this was the year for them to figure this out this was the prove it this was the prove it year I mean he was supposed to get all 16 games this year to figure out whether he was going to be the quarterback of the future and now you know you wonder why people are so upset and why we're having these conversations and the people that hate the fact that we're having this conversation blame it on Matt Nagy because for him to put Nick Foles in is the only and now and Mitch was you know was fine early on and now he's good again and now there's all these questions we could have had this question answered i mean at this very day we could know whether mitchell trubisky was going to be back next year whether he was the answer or whether he was not and you know we, we were starved of that you know a conversation because of Maggie's ineptitude <laughs> and you know throwing in nick Foles. So, so when people get so angry about us having this conversation about Mitchell Trubisky because they hate him. You only you have one person to blame, and that's Matt Nagy for even allowing that conversation to get to the point where it is now. So, and and to further that, you know, he, he's more to blame because 
this is no coincidence. And uh, we talked about this. The offense was rolling for four straight weeks. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, they looked great. They had, I, I think, for the first time since 1965, they scored 30-plus points in four straight games. And all of a sudden, against Green Bay, the day after we find out Matt Nagy's more involved with play calling, they don't throw the ball past 10 yards. And everyone says, well, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, why, why is he not throwing the ball deep? Exactly. What's going on? What's he doing with it? Well, I think I know the answer. Matt Nagy comes in, calls plays, or gets a little bit more involved, and for some reason that's enough, and he loses confidence in his quarterback. I mean, this, you know, everyone, that's the conversation around Chicago sports media this past week. You listen to the radio, you listen to TV, everybody's talking about why Mitchell Trubisky did not throw the ball past 10 yards. Well, you know, look at the offense before Laser started calling plays, then look at the offense when Laser started calling plays with Mitchell Trubisky in there, and you can see a clear difference in what Mitchell Trubisky was trying to do with Laser in there as the offensive coordinator. So this, uh, you know, Matt Nagy cannot be involved whatsoever. Definitely. He, had, he can have absolutely no say on Sunday about anything on the offensive side of the ball because it, it is extremely detrimental to this offense, and we have every piece of evidence to believe that. And here's something I wanted to tie into that. You felt it, right? Like, when we were in the red zone against Green Bay, you felt that this was not Bill Lazor calling those plays. It felt like weeks 4 through 12 or whatever it was until Bill Lazor came in. I literally looked at Cole Komet wanting to get fed. He wanted that ball in the red zone. The first thing they teach you, Kevin, you know this. The first thing they teach you about the red zone, who are your two most important targets? Or three, I should say. Your tight end, your number one wide receiver, and your running back. And what did we get? We got a screen option to David Montgomery, who just got clobbered by the Packers defense. It just didn't look right. It looked like Matt Nagy. It felt like Matt Nagy. And whether he wants to admit that or not, that he was a part of it, I truly do believe that the only reason he did this was because he wanted to put his hands in the cookie jar and say, I'm the reason that we're back in the playoffs. I'm the reason that I got us here. He wanted to feel like he was a part of it, which is so egotistic and maniacal to me. Because the biggest, and I'm not trying to dog him. I'm sure he's an amazing head coach. I have no problem with him being a head coach. Club dub, the culture he created. You can't lie. We were having a blast in 2018. We really were. Mm-hmm. And the, but the biggest part is, and I'm going to say this, and because I work for Wrigley Field, I can say this now. I never liked Joe Madden. I never liked Joe Madden because here is the facts. Joe Madden as a coach, amazing. Joe Madden as a player's friend, is not what you want. You don't want the guy who looks for people to blame once everybody stops having fun. Everything's fun. Club dub is fun until, obviously, there's no dubs. Then you look at the problem. The problem is this guy's more focused about you know, his own personal goals than what the team's goals are. The team's goals are to make the playoffs. What is your best bet with that? Mitchell Trubisky. And, and what did you do? You literally threw in Nick Foles just because he almost got beat by the Falcons. And, you know... I'm not going to say that Mitch could have beat the Falcons had he played in, but you'll never know that now. There was a good chance that he could have beaten them. And you see it with David Montgomery. David Montgomery, I had a podcast where I talked about, I'm not sure if this man is at every down back. And I fully regret it now because it was on us. It it wasn't on us is what I'm trying to say. Um, It was on Nagy. With Nagy, and we saw it with David Montgomery, didn't look as solid as he usually does in the last few weeks under Bill Lazor. Bill Lazor has made... And I'm going to, you know, it's a hot take, has made David Montgomery a top five back in the league, have made Mitchell Trubisky, if he continued the whole season, probably a top 15 quarterback. And Cole Komet actually was doing something productive for once 
uh, uh, you know, he did have the fumble, but and that's very unfortunate because I know that probably hurt because he's from uh, he's from Illinois. He grew up a Bears fan. That had to have stung um, most definitely. But it, you know, you can't just blame him for that, and then you don't see him after that. Like it's one of those things with Matt Nagy, where if somebody makes a mistake, you're written off. And that's my biggest flaw with him, and that's my biggest issue. And I think you know, Jordan Howard. Me and you have had this conversation many times that Jordan Howard isn't the future. He's never going to be that, what he was. Um, But in 2018, like we always talk about, to only have like 10 carries and Tariq Cohen to only have one carry in the whole game, in the the, uh, playoff game against the Eagles, it makes you one-dimensional. And when you're not going to utilize Mitchell Trubisky's legs, like it just, it just looks like you're not doing anything. And I don't know if you got that same vibe from Sunday's game or if that's how you felt about Matt Nagy the last three years, but that's that was my honest take on it. Let me tell you really what it is, and it's really quite simple. When Bill Lazor started calling the plays, and it was the first game that Mitchell Trubisky, in the first few games that Mitchell Trubisky was in there, the offense was rolling. Mitchell Trubisky, I believe it was after, I want to say the Texans game, came out and said, a reporter asked, what's different about the offense? Why does it look so different? Why, why haven't we seen this the past three years? He said, well, the coach is doing what I ask. The coaches are listening to me, and they're doing what I want to do. And what is that? It's rolling out. It's play action. It's getting him on the move. It's getting the running game going. Yes. It, it's all of these things that he's wanted. And why? Why? What coincidence is it that the moment that Bill Lazor starts calling plays, they're doing what he wants? I mean, I, I, I made this point, and I, I got some heat for it. And I, I quite frankly, I don't care. I said that Ryan Pace hiring Matt Nagy was a worse move than him drafting Mitchell Trubisky. Oh, most and, definitely. And, and, I, and people said, well, you know, what are you talking about? That makes no sense. I, I, I promise you. I mean, this offense could have looked a hell of a lot different in 2018, a hell of a lot different in 2019, and should have looked different different against Green Bay if Matt Nagy just stayed out of it and gave it – or even if he did want to stay in it. Even if he did want to stay in it, just listen to your quarterback. Your system, you did not have the personnel to ever run the system that you wanted to run, and you didn't recognize that. You didn't play to the strengths of your players. That's the one thing you have to do as a head coach. These are the cards you're dealt. These are the players you have. You can't wait six years or five years to get every single player that you want to run your system. This is who you have. Exactly. Work with them and make it work. I mean, it, it, it is so, so simple. And he was too selfish or too egotistical, I don't know, to do that. Um, and and I and the reason why I, and going back to your point is you know on Sunday the reason why I think he was more involved and the reason why you saw the offense not have success is because literally Mitch Trubisky said they weren't doing the things that he wanted to do. He came out of the press conference and said, "Well, we need to do more of some of the things that I asked." He literally said these things. I mean, there is no secret. There's nothing to to uncover here. We know what is going on and we know the future of this. And you know, for weeks, Mike, I, I know you listened to the podcast. I wanted Matt Nagy fired. I mean, I I did. I but still I do. Said, yeah, but once the offense started working, I said, you know what? If Matt Nagy just wants to be the head coach, he's built this culture. That's one of the most important things in the sport and in all of sports. And he wants to just make the calls and let Laser do the offense and, and next year hire a new defensive coordinator. I'm completely fine with that. Just stay out of the offensive conversation. Exactly. He hasn't done that. He worked his way back into it, and he better stay out of it on Sunday, and he better stay out of it next year. If he does, fine. You can stay because you are winning and there is value to that. But Definitely. if you start to work your way back in here and you start to you know say, oh, I'm going to have a little bit more say in it, and they start to lose again, gone. Gone immediately. It cannot happen. Exactly. And I think here's what I wanted to really ask you, and it's, and it's something no one's really talked about yet. 
Mitchell Trub- say Mitchell Trubisky wins us this game. Ball's out, right? We we move on. I believe we play Green Bay. We beat Green Bay. Yeah. And then somehow I, I you know I love this team, but I imagine if we ever made it to the Super Bowl, we would be defeated by Patrick Mahomes or by the Bills or whoever. You know what I mean? I just don't think we're built for that status yet. Um especially under, you know, the coaching issues we have right now and the and the leadership in the locker room. It's looking less and less every week. Khalil Mack is getting more quiet. At the start of the year, he was more vocal. And after all these QB changes, you see the defense is quiet. I mean, the the most riled up I've seen this defense was, and I'm sorry, I have to swear because it was the coolest moment, was Khalil, uh, Akeem Hicks slapping the shit out of one of the offensive linemen last week in green. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. I was like, oh my God. But here's my biggest question. I want to ask it. No one's talking about it. So all these things happen. Mitch wins this game. And then somehow, you know, we get bounced out of the playoffs. At the start of next year, there in, in training camp or whatever, you know, with COVID, whatever the situation may be, there will be another QB battle. And and even if Mitch earns this spot, I truly do believe Matt Nagy would still try to find a way to make, you know, Nick Foles still get reps and, oh, well, we'll see at the start of the year who's starting. And it shouldn't be that way. If Mitch wins this game, not only if he wins this game, we're here because of him. And and you can't get that twisted. We're here right now because David Montgomery was productive and because Mitchell Trubisky's return. Nick Foles, two and five. Mitchell Trubisky, what is it right now? It's like uh, six and three, if I'm not mistaken. And mm-hmm. and the, it should honestly be seven and two, but Matt Nagy was a big part of the play call in Detroit, who said let's pass the ball instead of running the ball up the middle. Where I literally damn near saw Alex Brown and Lance Briggs have a stroke. They damn near had a stroke on that TV show, and and it, it was one of the biggest flaws right now. And I think. You know, he still thinks the running game is a problem. He still uses that as an excuse. But when you have a running back such as David Montgomery, who's catching over 400 receiving yards, over 1,000 yards rushing, how can you say that? How can you say that when Lamar Miller got utilized three times and was cut and you waited weeks to even use him? Tariq Cohen, who's not even here, who, God bless the kid, the kid's a human joystick. And I truly do believe the man is going to come back even better. He's one of those guys I don't think is going to fold. Um... And what's um, Artavius Pierce, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. we literally haven't seen him at all. It took Bill Lazor to utilize him. We never saw him under Matt Nagy. And that was my biggest flaw. And one of his first games yep. actually being used, touchdown. Yep. What are you doing? Like, you're supposed to be, and it's not like, you know, I'm trying to bash the man at being a bad head coach. You're not. I'm bashing you for the reason you got hired. Was an offensive guru. You could see anything. You could see talent from a mile away. You're supposed to be like Bill Belichick. You can make a Jewel Osco cashier into a star wide receiver. It's one of those things where you're supposed to be this guy. And I think you, I'm not trying to say the man's not talented, but you use the Andy Reid tree to get your job and where you are today. There's no other excuse. There's no other reason Ryan Pace hired him, uh, hired him. And to add to your point, I think that's a beautiful thing to talk about is the worst hiring was Matt Nagy because of the fact that you drafted Mitchell Trubisky. Now, another flaw of it was Mitchell Trubisky because John Fox and everybody in the Bears um, staff room was sold on Jamal Adams and they all thought they were getting Jamal Adams. Um, so I think that was one of the other biggest flaws. I think he just got a little too uh, nervous about the future, so he just went for Mitch, which is fine. It's fine if it pans out. But then you're asking, it would be like asking Lamar Miller not to run, asking Patrick Mahomes not to be himself, asking Aaron Rodgers to stop throwing deep balls. That's what Matt Nagy is doing to Mitchell Trubisky, and and we can't ignore that at all. 
If this man was on John Harbaugh's team, <laughs> what Mitchell Trubisky would be is the white Lamar Jackson. And I will truly stand by that. Yeah, I mean, the biggest flaw, I mean, you're hitting on it with every point you make. I mean, the biggest flaw with Matt Nagy that I bring up week after week is that talent talent evaluation, but also just, you know, you mentioned in, in the very early parts of this episode too, just not giving guys an opportunity. It's it, it's as simple as that. We saw <laughs> we saw two plays of Artavis Pierce that told me, okay, this guy should be in the rotation consistently. Two plays, he had a 12-yard run and a touchdown. What in the hell are we talking about here? I mean, what else do you need to see? Um, Lamar Miller, the guy you mentioned, doesn't get any, barely gets any snaps at all. You sign him and you cut him five weeks later. Riley Ridley is consistently uh, a healthy scratch. What the hell is going on there? The defensive side of the ball, you talk about guys like Travis Gibson. Um, you know, luckily Darnell Mooney has gotten the mix. Oh my um, God! Thank really God. That's really also happened because of Bill Lazor. Exactly. You know, you know he had his biggest game. Uh, Cole Komet falls under that category. It's it, it, it's the most glaring concern. So when I do say, okay, maybe I'm okay with uh, Matt Nagy returning in the coming years, that is the one thing that still you know seriously concerns me because you know I've been a guy for years now that has you know you know applauded Ryan Pace for his drafts, and this year has been I would say his best draft yet. Oh, I mean, definitely. He, failed, he, he knocked this draft out of the park, and we don't even know the capabilities of Cole Komet. We know the capabilities of Jalen Johnson. We have seen the capabilities of Darna Mooney. We don't even know what Cole Komet can be, but the guy can be freaking good. Um, and then Travis Gibson, like you mentioned, still hasn't gotten that many opportunities in the two seventh rounders or whatever. Right. And but Sam Mustaford as well. It, Sam Mustaford. There you go. I mean, <laughs> that's the thing too, Mikey. I mean, people, I, I would argue that some of the most important picks in the draft are your undrafted free agents. And oh, definitely. people overlook them consistently, but Year after year, you'll see undrafted free agents come out to play. James Robinson was an undrafted free agent and was tied with Dave Montgomery for most yards in uh, in the most rushing yards in the NFL this year. I mean, guys, uh, Sam Mustafer and Alex Bars, the two guys who have seemingly solved the offensive line woes of the Chicago Bears, a, a feat that seemed impossible to solve. Um, they've come in here as two undrafted free agents and done that. So when people criticize Ryan Pace, I pose this to you: the the majority of people who you know, are upset that this team is eight and eight. Although they're in the playoffs, they you know they are under their expectations and they underachieved. Why do you think they underachieved? Because you thought this was a Super Bowl caliber roster. Every fan in Chicago thought that this is their Super Bowl window. I tell you, I ask you, who put this roster together? Who gave it to you? Ryan Pace. Who didn't get the most out of the roster and get them where they need to be? Matt Nagy. It's as simple as that. You don't have to look any further. I mean, we all have the expectations for this team. We knew after 2018 they should have won the Super Bowl in 2018 had not said event happened. You know, they should have been better in 2019. The roster was seemingly the same. There was no roster turnover. And then there was a little bit of roster turnover between 2019 and 2020. Who is not getting the most out of that roster? There's no secrets here. Ryan Pace has done his job. He he deserves to be in Chicago in the future. He will not be gone. I can assure you that. We have stories from J.J. Stankovitz who came on our podcast telling us that the McCaskies love Ryan Pace to death. Oh, he's like a he son. He will not be going anywhere. So, um, it, that's that's just my little take on that because I know there's a lot of fans who are critical of Ryan Pace and I just want to throw that out there uh, in, in comparisons to you know who's more to blame is kind of the conversation that Definitely. a lot of people like to have and I would argue that Matt Nagy is right and for me I don't know how you feel about it I am huge on Ryan Pace um, his drafting abilities in the later rounds the only person right now is um. Mike Borgonzi, I believe is how you say it, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs Director of Football Operations. He is the only person right now that I could say 
is a threat to his job. And the only reason I'm saying that is because of what he's hit on with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, uh, and, and just furthermore, just an amazing draft. Edwards Clyde, or Clyde Edwards, I'm sorry. Um, he's just hit on so many opportunities. And he, he just, he takes full advantage of other people's mistakes. And I think he is the only person that I could see replacing uh, Ryan Pace. But Ryan Pace, in my opinion, the only thing he's done uh, wrong, like personally, I don't, I'm going to get some heat for it, you know, as a Mitchell Trubisky supporter. I love Clemson. I love the Tar Heels, so I love both of them. But the only thing you could really say is, and if I'm not going to talk about Mitchell Trubisky being taken, is hiring Matt Nagy and listening to Matt Nagy about Nick Foles. Because mm-hmm. my big thing right now is we really didn't need Nick Foles. If you wanted, if you wanted Nick Foles, you could have went so many different directions. I, I was personally one of the people, you know, he, he may not have had an amazing year. He did have COVID. Um, and, and it just wasn't a system that I truly believe he was good under, but Cam Newton was what I wanted to help mentor Mitchell Trubisky just because Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky are not the same guy. They are, they have the same mentality where it's, you know, uh, you're my brother, you're not my competition kind of guy. You know, you want that. You want that love and compassion and stuff like that. But Mitch didn't need that. Mitch needed that fire that, um, I'm not going to be rude to Cam Newton, so I'm going to try to look for another word in a little bit. But what he is, we all know who he is. We're gonna, I'm, I'm going to just say he's Hollywood. You know what I mean? Like that man knows when he walks in a room, he wants to be QB1. There's no question about it. He's very cocky. He's very full of himself. I'm just going to say it. Um, I think Mitch needed that. Mitch needed that kind of stab, you know, like he kind of needed that stab in the gut to say, all right, this is my job. I need to take full control of this with or without Matt Nagy's help. And I truly do believe Cam Newton playing those six or seven games, however many games it was, instead of Nick Foles, it would have been a better outcome than it would have with uh, Nick Foles. I just truly do believe that at least he was mobile. I don't know if you got that same vibe, but... And, and, and into point, we can talk about the, the recent, you know, Deshaun Watson points, but I'll let you respond to that before we get into the trade rumors and all that. I, I mean, the Bears didn't need Nick Foles. And, you know, you, you mentioned earlier when you started your little bit there that, you know, Ryan Pace kind of got his hand played by Matt Nagy. I mean, Matt Nagy was the one who made that decision. It was in Ryan Pace's ear to say, go get uh, Nick Foles. And Ryan Pace said, you know what? Done deal. I'll overpay for him too. I'll give him a fourth rounder and we'll eat up this contract. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they did. This exactly. was not uh, Ryan Pace missing a talent evaluation here. This was Matt Nagy trying to get a guy that he wanted, a guy that he knew for a long time, and it didn't work out. And, and Matt Nagy deserves a little bit of blame for that. But I think it is a good segue to Deshaun Watson real quick because there's actually a report from Bleacher Report just now Um uh, we're getting a little bit of a live update here on this episode. Oh, snap. Deshaun Watson is, quote, extremely unhappy with the Texans after not being involved in their new GM hiring per Ian Rappaport. Watson has not spoken with the Texans in the last few days. So that heightens the tensions between Watson uh, and the organization. And we heard the rumors earlier today that he is likely going to request a trade. And obviously, what did that do? Anytime, like anytime uh, anybody requests a trade, Bears fans, fans of every team are going to, you know, find a oh, way to plot the, up some scenario to get them on their team, even when it's unrealistic as hell. The Photoshop so, is already done. I can already it's see done, it. Done. Well, it's been, it's been, Mike, it, it's been done since 2017. Oh, more, yeah, because, no, but more recent ones. <laughs> yeah, they're resurfacing. Um, you see the same thing no, with J.J. Watt. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Same situation. I mean, that organization is in shambles. Um, they, they've seemingly been burned to the ground. But I mm. want to hear your first, because I have a lot of thoughts about this, but I don't know exactly where you're at with this. Um, 
there's a lot that goes into it. But let let me ask you this question: At this very moment, if the Bears had the opportunity to had the you know they have the capital to do it, if you were Ryan Pace sitting in that chair, would you trade for Deshaun Watson as of today, January seventh? Man, you know, it's a really interesting conversation and it's one of those you don't get to have a lot because usually guys like this never leave. Patrick Mahomes is never going to have another, well, I'm not going to say that because Tom Brady's on the Bucks, but um, for the majority of his career, you will never see Aaron Rodgers in another uniform. You will never see Patrick Mahomes or guys to that stature in another uniform. I doubt Josh Allen leaves. You know what I mean? Guys like that are forever type of guys. Tom Brady spent 20 years in New England. It's it's very hard to come by that, and and as a sure thing, um, already experienced your your defense. We don't have time. That's my biggest thing. Our defense does not have the time. We do not have the leadership with Vic gone. Um, Chuck, we have no idea what's going to happen with Chuck. Um, we got like one to three years left with this defense. I truly do believe that because of the fact that we got rid of Nick Kwiatkowski and others. Akeem Hicks has a contract year. Roquan Smith has a contract year. Mac, I don't even know if he wants to be here. So. It solely this whole conversation, and I know I'm I'm dodging the question because you know it's 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 a very uh it's a very heated question that I just have right now. But um, it all it all solely depends on the defense and what you want. If you want to win a Super Bowl, you go after him. But at the same time, you saw Deshaun Watson tear his ACL. You saw him just get the absolute part of my language shit knocked out of him year in and year out because of offensive line issues with the with the Houston Texans. What's the difference going to be? Especially if Allen Robinson leaves. If Allen Robinson, if we can promise Allen Robinson Deshaun Watson, I promise you he stays. But if he decides to leave and you just have Darnell Mooney and Anthony Miller, who honestly cares more about his chains and everything else he's got going on than he really does about his game, which no disrespect, but I mean, I don't know if you get that vibe as well. He's kind of, he's just peaked in my opinion. And you, what you see is what you get from Anthony Miller. There's not going to be anything more. Um, Darnell Mooney is definitely taking that place. I think right now you still need to draft an offensive lineman. So, I mean, it's, it, there's just interesting guys out there. There's many guys like Alex Leatherwood, like we've, me and you have had a conversation about, uh, Northwestern, Northwestern's finest, um, Rashawn Slater and others that I think will be available in the later round of the first round. Do, are we willing to give up that for Deshaun Watson just to not have protection? Um, Today, I honestly think yes, I really would. I really would just because of the fact that we would actually have to probably trade somebody else um, because of the cap of Deshaun Watson. Um, I really don't know who that would be, whether it would be Robert Quinn or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. I doubt they would actually want that, but if you throw in enough first rounders, um, it's worth it. But my big issue right now, and as I wanted to also ask you after you give your take, are you willing to lose another first round pick for the next four to five years like we did with Khalil Mack? Now, it wasn't that long, but, you know, you get into these situations where Khalil Mack is older now. He's being less productive because he's not getting as much help. One of the reasons we're not getting that help is because we don't have the draft capital to get guys who are ready now. And I think that's one of our biggest flaws. It's something, you know, you get a Travis Gibson, but Matt Nagy and Chuck Pagano seem to believe if you're taken anywhere after the fourth round, I don't want to play you. It's like one of those, you know what I mean? It's one of those things that's just yeah. going to be very interesting to see um, what happens with Robinson and, and the offensive line. I think 
I think going into 2021, we have our squad right now. We have uh, Charles Leno Jr. is honestly top five right now in the last uh, four to five games, if I'm not mistaken. He's looking better under Sam Mustaford. Under, uh, we're going to have James Daniels back. We're going to have Cody Whitehair. You honestly just have to figure out that one last piece and just build a little depth around it with bars. And I would honestly do this trade. I would get Deshaun Watson. I think it's a great move. Well, it's kind of funny that you bring that up because we know for a fact now that the solution at offensive line doesn't have to be a first-round pick. It can literally be an undrafted free agent. Hell, we know Ryan Pace is better at drafting in the later rounds than he is in the in the first few rounds. Exactly. I mean, he, he, he's had more busts in the first few rounds than he has in the later rounds of the draft. A lot so, of them. For all the people who say, well, you know, first-round picks, we need them. Yes, first-round picks are extremely valuable in this league, as they are in any league, in any sport. But you have to understand who your general manager is, what he's good at. He's good at drafting the later rounds. And if you get a franchise quarterback who will be here for probably at least six more years and will be a top-ten quarterback in the league on your team, you don't care about two first-round picks. It doesn't matter. Whatever those two first-round picks, you know, become – will not equate to what Deshaun Watson is for this team in the coming years. I, I I can assure you that. I mean, that is how important a franchise quarterback is in this league nowadays. So I just I just pose that to people who are worried about the capital that they would give up and, and the first-round pick being gone and all that. My ideal – and people wonder, well, how much is it going to take? If they could trade Robert Quinn to the Texans, that would be phenomenal. Oh my God. I don't think that's going to happen, but an ideal scenario for Bears fans is this. Two first-round picks, one in 2022, one in 2023, a second-round pick in 2022, a third-round pick in 2023, and a fourth-round pick in 2023. You give up all of that, this is excluding Robert Quinn, yeah. you you take that every day of the week. There are people out of Houston today saying that the the conversations for Deshaun Watson aren't going to start until, you, until someone says three first-round picks. If that's the case, I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can give up three. I'm 100% willing to give up two. Three, three is a little bit it's too a stretch. much for me. But if you do two and you say, all right, here's a second, a third, and a fourth here. Who gives this crap? Right. You know, take take those. You're you're doing it every day of the week. And there's a lot of people out of Houston, reporters and people who are saying, oh, well, he's not going to get traded. It's not going to happen. This was the first day of this sort of, you know, downfall that's happening in Houston. I, it's going to get worse. I mean, oh. in eight hours, it's gotten worse with the reports from Bleacher Report. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow, the day after that, the week after that, you're going to hear more allegations, more things that come out that say Deshaun Watson doesn't want to be here. Deshaun Watson requests a trade, and they are literally going to be hamstrung. They're going to have no choice but to trade him. The Houston organization, is it's going to get to the point where Deshaun Watson might hold out in, in training camp and say, you know what, unless you, give me, unless you send me to another team, I'm not going to play here in training camp. I'm not going to play for your organization unless I'm on a different team. So for those people who think it's not going to happen, I would implore you to start believing that it will. Most definitely. And um, I think one of the biggest things right now for us, and it's, it's what bothers me the most, and the only reason we're not talking about trading more for him is because of the fact that it would look, it would look bad on Ryan Pace. Without a, with no Super Bowl... We're going to talk about it like this 10 years from now. We're going to say, well, he had a chance to draft Deshaun Watson. He didn't. So then he he was mediocre for uh, about two years. And then he decided to give up three first round draft picks and still didn't do anything. So I think that's one of my biggest fears going into it is if it doesn't pan out, it just makes Ryan Pace's whole career just look bad. It would tarnish it. It really would. Um, Now, if it works out. It would still look kind of bad, but like it'd be fine. You know what I mean? Like it would be like, okay, he fixed his mistake. There's always going to be, it was, Ke- I believe he drafted Kevin White or is that Emery? Yes, yes. Yeah, he, he did draft Kevin White. White. And let me tell you something for the Kevin White haters. 
Nobody in the world could have predicted what happened to Kevin White. He was one of the best wide receivers available. There were better options out there, but at the time, we weren't focused on that. We had Alshon Jeffrey at the time, if I'm not mistaken, or we knew he was leaving. And it was the best case scenario for us. It was something we felt we needed to do. And if we hit on it, we hit on it. But like I said, this was not a top three pick. So to say that, I mean, Leonard Floyd, we can have this conversation all day. I'll I'll go down with it because at the start of the season, I was like, oh, forget it. It was a bust. He's not. It was the system the entire time. And that's what bothers me is that, like like you said, this man is the guru of drafting uh, drafting players. What he's not great at is building a system for those players to thrive in, to develop in, and to just learn. I mean, he has the greatest scouts. He has the greatest eye to see talent. But Matt Nagy doesn't. Matt Nagy gets there and he goes, this is what I want. And if you can't give it to me right now, you're never going to see the field until next year or maybe never. And that's my biggest problem right now. I think this is an amazing signing. I think, or not signing, this would be an amazing trade. I think there's other ones like we can have a conversation about Tua Tungavailoa possibly being traded for a second round pick. But I mean, there's just so many different things is those guys are going to come here and they're probably going to hate Matt Nagy. If Deshaun Watson hates the idea of um, the management of the uh Houston Texans right now, what makes you think he's going to like uh, what he did to Mitchell Trubisky? He's not going to like it, and he's not going to be a fan of it. It's it's going to be a really, it's all going to come down to what Deshaun, Watts, or Deshaun Watson wants, and I think he would have a better chance in San Francisco or New Orleans or um, somewhere nowhere is t- nobody's talking about the Bucks. The Bucks are one of my biggest things right now. Mm, maybe. You, here's my thing, and, and bear with no, me. No, they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. But bear with me and just and just think about it. You see what, how much Tom and Gronk miss, or maybe they don't miss him as much as Bill does, but Bill would definitely be down the return for Tom. And, I mean, Deshaun Watson, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin for the next five to ten years, that would be something special. I don't know. It's just something to put up there. We, we got to see how it all pans out. Or even the Colts would be very interesting as well. Here's the comforting thing about Deshaun Watson. Um, in arguably the worst situation for any quarterback in the league, Bill Bryan gets gets fired. That's one of the worst organizations in the league right now. Romeo Crennel steps in. They got no weapons. They traded Deshaun. Uh, sorry, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. You have no running back. David Johnson isn't all that good. He still was the league's leader in passing. Exactly, so and Fuller wonder, out as well. You know, yeah, and, and, and I'm sure a lot of people, including myself, are, well, you know, you know, would Matt Nagy ruin Deshaun Watson? It's a fair question to ask. Would Matt Nagy ruin Deshaun Watson? I think he would. I think we have evidence to know that even in a shit system, Deshaun Watson is going to make it work, and he's going to make it happen. We have Definitely. pure evidence of that, even in the worst situations. And I promise you, the Bears' situation is ten times better than the Texans. The Bears are uh, a million times better of a franchise and organization than the Houston Texans. You don't have to worry about, you know, oh, is this guy a system quarterback? Does he only work in this system? What's it going to happen if he comes here with Mendeg? You don't have to worry about that with this guy, which is comforting. I mean, you're not taking a risk. And and I think that's what's the most important thing, too, is – you know, when it comes to a guy like Mitch Trubisky, people are going to have their opinions on it. Matt, Matt Nagy has an opinion on him, and, you know, it's a polarizing topic. I mean, the conversation about Mitch Trubisky is, for the most part, in this fan base binary where you either think he's good or you think he's garbage. Exactly. Um, and that's all it is, and, you know, you don't know how to make up your mind. If Deshaun Watson came to Chicago, th- there'd be no questions. There would be no conversation. The guy would be your franchise quarterback, and you figure out the rest. So I think that is what 
Bears fans desire and how can you blame us here as fans I mean for years Mike we haven't had the comfort of knowing that the quarterback isn't an issue we have to deal with with this team that we can focus on other issues uh like quite frankly we're actually seeing this the last four weeks us focusing on other issues because the defense has been a lot worse than the offense has. yeah so that's something to worth be worth mentioning but I mean this this organization hasn't had a, a true franchise quarterback since Sid Luckman I mean oh I mean, definitely Jim McMahon is he's our, he wasn't he wasn't, he wasn't what people think he was. If you watch Jim McMahon, if people like me and you, we, we're freaks. We know every single player from every single decade. Jim McMahon, if you want it in a nutshell, was Mitchell Trubisky on crack. He was just insane. He took yeah. the hits nobody wants to. If anybody, any quarterback you can name him, I don't care how tough he is, Lamar Jackson, any of them, if they had to face the teams Jim McMahon had to play back in the day, dead gone obliterated this man was Trubisky on crack he you know and and David Montgomery that's what's beautiful about I didn't mean to cut you off but it reminds me so much of you know I'm not saying he's Walter Payton by any means but running the offense through a running back and then having your quarterback be the leader that Mitchell Trubisky is that we know he can be um it's just it's one of my most it was one of my most favorite moments of the Chicago Bears in the 2020 season was being under Bill Lazor was being able to see this 85 Bears type of team. Like you see the pieces there. Chuck just needs to utilize them correctly. We we just have the offense we want to build around. We have the players we want. Cole Komet, uh, Darnell Mooney. I mean, even if we lose Robinson, there's Kenny Galladay. There's Juju Smith-Schuster, who honestly, as good as he is, I, I don't want. But, um... It'll, it'll, there's just so many good positive things that I could take away out of this season if you just ignore Matt Nagy completely. If you take Matt Nagy out of this offensive play calling, this is like a 12-4 and four team. I see them losing to Green Bay twice. I see them um, losing to the Colts because the Colts were at the time a top three defense in the league. And honestly, I mean, you, you know, you throw in a, a wild card, throw in just a random loss. I truly do believe Bill Lazor under this, with this roster. Now, I don't know if you saw, or uh, not roster, schedule. I don't know if you saw the schedule for next year. It's, uh, I, if it's confirmed, it's pretty rough. It's pretty rough. But especially if Mitch doesn't come back. But under Bill Lazor, we could have been a 12 and 14 easily right now. And I'll stand by that. And you add Deshaun Watson to that. I mean, I would go as far as to say is we might even have a chance to win the Super Bowl this year if Bill Lazor was calling oh, they'd plays. Be favorites. Oh, most definitely. Maybe Super Bowl favorites. Most definitely. No, and and you think about it. If say Vic Fangio, not even Vic Fangio. I don't want to get in this conversation because um, you know uh, each segment is an hour long. So in like ten minutes, I am gonna uh, pause this and start a new segment. But um, so we can continue, you know. But um, one of my biggest things I can't wait to talk to you about before you leave is. Man, just Robert Saleh from the 49ers. If they were willing to part ways with Matt Nagy right now and have him be the new defensive coordinator, you 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 watched the season last year. That that team was insane and they util, they uh not utilized. They they trashed Patrick Mahomes most of the that entire Super Bowl until the very end. And a lot of that I think goes on uh Shanahan, but you know, that's a whole different conversation. But if we just kept Bill Lazor and had someone like Robert Quinn, Vic Fangio, we would be, and add Deshaun Watson. We would be the favorites for the next three to five years for the NFC. I don't know how you feel about Easily. it. Easily. Easily. Um, I think if, honestly, if Vic Fangio came back to this team, 
they would be favorites regardless, uh, even with Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, you know, <laughs> real quick, as you were making comparisons before about Jim McMahon uh, to Mitchell Trubisky, yeah. it just kind of brought this up to me because people don't know this. Mitchell Trubisky is the highest passer rating in Chicago Bears history. Yes, uh, sir. By a pretty large margin, by two points above Jay Cutler um, for a minimum of like 40 games played or something like that. Yeah. He's got the highest passer rating in Bears history. So for those who didn't know that and you want to find a way to quantify, you know, Mitch Trubisky compared to Jay Cutler or Sid Luckman or Jim Hubbard, these guys that people have glorified in the past, that's it. But, you, you know, it, it, it's so hard because you mentioned the roster and you mentioned how good the roster is. Right. And it kind of just it, – it, it leads me back to the playoff conversation because I promise you, I am one of the most optimistic people who talks about the Bears and the Bears podcast. That's why I love the podcast, I, brother. I'm very optimistic. But if I'm being honest, it's because of the current situation. Like, if they were heading into the Saints playoff game with a worse roster, I wouldn't be optimistic about it. But the problem is, and the thing that has kept me believing all along, is this team has the talent to do it. They have a Super Bowl talent roster. And you cannot tell me differently. They have the talent to make a Super Bowl. So when you ask me, well, how can the Bears pull off such an upset? Well, a a few things go right. They can win this game. They're not outmatched talent-wise by the Saints. Not Saints at all. Don't blow them away with talent. That's not the case, especially if Michael Thomas doesn't play. Um, it, it, that's simply not the case. And quite frankly, it's not the case for anybody they play. I mean, the Bears are up there with every team aside from probably the Chiefs with talent. I mean, I mean, I you could go toe to toe with any of the teams in the NFL with the talent that the Bears have, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So. When people wonder why I'm so optimistic and people wonder like me and you are so optimistic and, and, and plenty of other fans around the fan base, it's because we know what this team has. Right. We, it's the same team. It's the same team. And, and Mike, this is a point I was waiting to make. What in the hell is different from this team than 2018 exactly. when everyone thought that team should have won the Super Bowl? Robert What's Quinn different? right now is what Leonard Floyd was, basically. Mm-hmm. there is no, And yeah, the sacks aren't the same. But I hate the fact that people are saying just because Robert Quinn isn't getting the sacks, he's not being utilized. He's not doing anything on the field. If you're watching the game, if you know anything about football at all, yes, he's not putting up the numbers we want to see. He's not the Russell Westbrook of this defensive line. But, man, is he being just – he is feared out there. And him and Khalil Mack, you look at any quarterback we played – the first thing they do is look at the line. They see what they're doing. Akeem Hicks being in the middle, man, if Eddie Goldman was here, what I believe Robert Quinn would be would probably be somewhere between seven to ten sacks. I just truly do believe that with Eddie. Look, sacks sometimes are, are, are kind of a lucky thing. I mean, exactly. Let's be honest here. One guy, you know, you know, you have to look at pressures a lot in QB hurries. And for people out there who think Khalil Mack had a down season. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Guys. Khalil, like, I, I'm not one to praise pro football focus. I think they're one of the dumbest organizations. I, I think, you know, at some point, they're the nerds. And your little mathematical analysis goes too far. Um, you know, he was ranked the best edge rusher in the NFL this year by a large margin by, by pro football focus. Um, you know, he, he had the highest number of high quality pass rushes, pass rush sacks in the league. And for people who do not know what that is, a high quality uh, a sack is you know, beating your man against the best offensive lineman in football. So he's right. doing it consistently at the highest level in the NFL against the best offensive lineman. Th- this is not this is not a guy who is regressing, a guy who's getting older, who's not he doesn't have it anymore, he doesn't have the juice. Khalil Mack is the same player. He just is not, you know, 
racking up as many sacks. It, right. It, it's, it's, and how many get you know, taken away? Only determination. How many have gotten taken away from Khalil Mack this year? We've seen it time and yeah, time cool, again. Yeah. This man obliterates a quarterback, and I hear some foo-foo call that, you know, it was roughing the passer or something else. It was just, it's just, it's a QB league, and that's, that's all I could say about it is these guys are pillow talkers. You have to lay them down, put a pillow over their head, and then ask them politely, is it okay if I sack you? This is the day and age we live in today. And Khalil Mack, back then, if, if the rules were how they were back then, Khalil Mack would have probably 15 to 20 sacks a year, without question. I mean, that, that and you take into account, you know, the amount of holding that offensive linemen get away with on him is, is astonishing. Oh, dude, uh, the, the Bucks you, game? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. They choked it's this man. Havoc. It's insane. It's insane. But before I ask you this next question, um, I did want to pause this real quick just so, you know, this, mm-hmm. we, we didn't uh, overlap. Or... The main thing I wanted to ask Kevin right now, um, and, and it ties into the Deshaun Watson thing, there's so many different ways. Sam Darnold, you can get him. Sam Darnold, I wouldn't give more than a fourth or a third round pick. I'm going to be completely honest. He has not shown me anything um, not only in college, but just in his time with the Jets, fair fair point. Adam Gase ruined this man's whole career. Adam Gase is the reason the Jets are where they are today. But um, a bigger part I wanted to ask Kevin, not only Sam Darnold, there's rumors that if Justin Fields isn't taken, or uh, Mac Wilson isn't, or Mac Jones, I'm sorry, isn't taken second overall by the, um, I believe it's the Jets, I believe. Um, if they are not taken, then Tua Tungabailoa might be on the trade block so that they can draft a, um, a quarterback. They might trade. They, they're asking for a second-round pick or better right now. Um, if I am the Chicago Bears, and Kevin, you are Ryan Pace, what are you going to say about Tua Tungabailoa? Are you willing to you know, maybe draft Alex Leatherwood, Rashawn uh, Slater, or someone along those lines for an offensive tackle in the first round and bank on Tua? What do you think? I don't think there's any way in hell the Dolphins trade for Tua. Um, and this, quite frankly, is the problem with how recently recently we have evaluated quarterbacks and how people evaluate quarterbacks in this league. If you don't get it done in your first year, you just give up. I mean, that that seems to be the case. Uh, this conversation about Mitchell Trubisky, uh, after his first year, he wasn't doing enough. People gave up on him. After his second year, they really gave up on him. It, it, I understand fans who desire your quarterback to play well you know, immediately. At the snap of a finger, you want to come out and play well. Right. People That's the dream. Ju- people, yeah, people love Justin Herbert in LA. People love Joe Burry in Cincinnati because he's doing it well. People are skeptical about Tua Tagovailoa. The guy can play, and you set yourself back if you just give up on him and start over again. I mean, exactly. You just give up on him, start over again. What in the hell, what what sense does that make? I mean, I don't, I don't understand it at all. We as people have ruined the way we, we get, uh, evaluate quarterbacks, and, and sometimes we ruin their careers. I mean, you could argue that that has ruined Mitch Trubisky's career. Um, you know, the, the flack that he's gotten in Chicago because of how impatient fans are and how impatient sometimes organizations are if you don't perform quickly. Josh Rosen from that same organization oh is God. the literal epitome of that. I mean, I feel bad for the guy. The guy did not get a single opportunity. He played, I don't even know, eight games maybe in his first maybe year. Maybe that. He got traded and hasn't played it, hasn't started a game since. We don't even know if the guy can be good, but no one's going to take an opportunity. No one's going to take a chance on him because they just don't know. Um, I, I think it would be a grave mistake if the Dolphins did this. Uh, there are people who are talking about it because they have the third pick, and I know it's something you do have to consider because in the rare event, the only way I could see this happening, Mike, is if the Jets take Pionai Sewell from Oregon, who is going to be a top three or four pick. He is the but, next Quentin Nelson. 
Yes, uh, he is a Without generational question. lineman. Uh, the guy is he's a monster. He's mm-hmm. a, he's Big a boy. monster. If the Jets take him and Justin Fields is at three, you may see that happen because Justin Fields is going to be a damn good player in this league. But still, I, I still have belief in Tua Tagovailoa and just drafting quarterback and trading one. Okay, you set yourself back another year. You start the year with a rookie quarterback. No rookie quarterback has ever won the Super Bowl. For a Dolphins team that's trending up regardless of their situation at quarterback, it's illogical oh, yeah. to trade trade to a toilet low. So that that's where I'm at. Right. I know there's people that disagree with it, and I know for a lot of people, again, this is what happens. You see a guy on the trade block, and every team wants to find a way to find that guy to be on their team. I exactly. Mean, that is what we do as fans. You right. Know, you see the graphics and everything, and people are, especially at the quarterback position, they desire that. It's not going to happen. He will not be there, and I don't even uh, – it just won't happen. There won't be an opportunity for right. the Bears to do it. And it, what bothers me the most, and here's what I'll say. If Justin Fields beats um, Nick Saban in Alabama, I could see the reasoning behind it because you beat Dabo Sweeney, you beat Trevor Lawrence, now you're beating Mac Jones and them. You know what I mean? It's an impressive resume. It's something along the lines of Trevor Lawrence's freshman year where he won everything. Um, And and, and it would be interesting, but the biggest issue for me is right now that the talks have started because Tua doesn't understand the offense, because he doesn't understand the playbook. And, And that is just the most... And, and if, you know, if, if you do believe this, then I'm sorry if I offend you. But it is the most ignorant way to look at a quarterback whose first year, he didn't even get a chance to play the whole season. He didn't get a training camp. He didn't even get a proper draft. I mean, this man was on a Skype call. We're on a Skype call right now, Kevin. I mean, the biggest moment of his life <laughs> since the beginning of his NFL career has been weird, has it, has it not? It's just... No, it has. <laughs> to, to give up on a man in a weird year... In a weird season, under a, an offensive coordinator who I honestly don't know is going to be the long term for them. I do believe I'm doing fantasy. I don't know if you do fantasy. I'm taking the Dolphins defense if they're available for next year because I do think they are on the come up. I think they are going to be very special. And I think with Tua under his second year is so much better than having Justin in his first. It's the same situation where we talk about the Bears drafting a quarterback in the first round this year. This defense does not have much longer. Defenses do not last as long as Tom Brady and the New England Patriots' offense and that dynasty lasts. It's not as easy to maintain a defense as it is to maintain an offense. I mean, really, all you need is one star wide receiver, a decent line, and a solid quarterback. That's to be productive. That was Aaron Rodgers the last seven years before, you know, Devontae Adams and all that. It was who was one of his number one wide receivers? Jordy Nelson. I mean, if you have the right quarterback, it really doesn't take that much. Now, is it hard to get guys like Khalil Mack? And uh, they have the guy, what's his name, from uh, the Patriots. I told, I'm blanking right now. They have, it's Kyle... Uh, Van Noy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kyle Van Noy. Guys like that, they're in their peak. They are not going to last forever. You know what I'm trying to say? And I just think to make that move, it would be, for the Bears, a steal. It would be a complete steal. And if it, if any truth of this is there... I'm doing it in a heartbeat, no question about it. Um, my biggest fear, and I think you can relate to this, is wh- what's the risk? What's the risk of taking someone like Sam Darnold, of taking, of signing Jimmy Garoppolo, who um, I know I'm getting a little off track, but when we first had this 2017 offseason, my biggest thing was, and it was either get Deshaun Watson, and I'm, I'm, you know I love Mitchell Trubisky, but my initial thought was not Mitchell Trubisky. It was sign Jimmy Garoppolo and draft uh, Christian McCaffrey. That was my big thing for the Bears. 
And and how that would have panned out, I don't know. But three years later, are we really willing to risk this? I'm full in on Mitch. And, and back to the Mitch conversation. I mean, I just don't see us needing to make this move right now for Deshaun Watson. I love Deshaun Watson. I love Tua. Um, Sam Darnold, I think, can be an excellent quarterback in this league under the right system with actual head coaching. Um, but I just think we're in a situation right now where we can ride out with Mitch for another one to two years and still be an eight-plus win team. We just need to figure out the coaching situation because Tua wouldn't change. I mean, what is the biggest reason that... Um, and sorry, I'm rambling, but the biggest reason for Matt Nagy right now he doesn't believe in Mitchell Trubisky. What is it? You can't read defenses and you don't understand the playbooks. So what would that do bringing in Tua, who is three years or four years younger and, and it just got cut from his team because he doesn't understand the same thing. It just, as fun as this was to play around, I just don't think it's realistic. And I think for fans to call for Ryan Pace's head because he doesn't make a move for Sam Darnold or Tua, I just, or, or even Garoppolo who can't remain healthy. I think it's idiotic. And I think they're not looking at the bigger picture. They're just listening to what the media says. And that's just my big point for this. Well, I mean, it could all just be a pipe dream. I mean, I mean, it is a kind of a pipe dream. But the bottom line that you mentioned is the Bears can win and win at a high level with Mitch Trubisky. And that's the thing that people don't understand. They can do it. They have done it. They've been doing it. He's 24 and 12 under Matt Nagy. The guy is 24. Four and twelve under Matt Nagy with the shit situations that happened in 2019. You know, considering all the offensive woes that have happened, he's still 24 and 12. If you try to tell me that the Bears can't win with Mitchell Trubisky, I'll throw that stat at you all freaking day because it's a fact. I mean, it's a pure fact. You know, fix a few things. Grab a. I I personally think they should grab a wide receiver in the first round of the draft this year. Jalen Waddle. Um, you know. Look, I, I you mentioned, I'm going to my game in Miami. I don't know if I told you I'm going to the national championship. I'll be there at Hard Rock Stadium. Are you really? Um, yeah, I, I got I got credentials for my job at Ohio State, so I'll be there. Um, and I am going to get a firsthand look at Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, and Chris Olave of Ohio State because I I think Chris Olave Chris might drop to the second round or maybe he'll be late first round, but. You know, one of the biggest problems with the Bears' offense that people don't talk about enough is, you know, Darnell Mooney's good. He's a rookie, though. Anthony Miller, like we mentioned, has fallen off the map. And Al Robinson is great. But look what the Cowboys did. And look what it did for their offense until Dak Prescott got hurt. They threw in CeeDee Lamb, and they were the most unstoppable offense through four weeks in NFL history. I felt so bad for the Eagles. Dak Prescott was was going for 500 yards a week. (laughs) You know, I mean, you know, when you have that many options, I mean, the, the more. The more options you give a guy like Mr. Trubisky, uh, you know, I, I think the better. And, you know, we know the offensive line is shored up. You get a wide receiver, and I think that just, you know, furthers the fact that you can win and furthers your chances that you can win with Mitch Trubisky. Right. And I know we've, you know, drawn up these hypotheticals. As much as we would love them to happen, potentially, the most likely scenario is Mitch Trubisky does return on the one-year deal. Right. And what do you do then in that scenario? How do you go all in? You give him another weapon. The defense we know has a talent and has been messed up schematically. Bring in Vic Fangio, return to the 2018 form, give yourself another yeah. offensive weapon, and you're right. I mean, you're right back in the mix again in 2020. I mean, it's 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 not it's not rocket it's science. Not a situation here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. So that that's that's what I'm looking at. You can win a Mitchell Trubisky if you tell me that you can't win Mitchell Trubisky. I'll just throw 24 and 12 at you all day because it's a fact, and you can't tell me differently. Right, and I also I don't. You know, I saw this post and I wanted to ask you, I believe, this is facts. I mean, it's a fact right here. The first 49 starts of their career. Have you seen it about the Aaron Rodgers comparison for Mitchell Trubisky? Yeah. 
it's unbelievable. 29 and 20 equally. Uh, Rodgers' completion rating is 64.9. Mitch is 63.6. And game-winning drives. Mitch has him beat by two, five to seven. It's it's one of those things where it's like, and that was his comparison in the draft was Aaron Rodgers. And I think that's why we're seeing this now is because people are just ignoring what this man was and what he's become. And the reason why he is what he is is because of Matt Nagy trying to change you. And and I brought this point up earlier about the asking Lamar Jackson not to run, asking Patrick Mahomes not to throw sideways passes. It's It's one of those things where if you just take away my strengths, who am I to believe in myself? You know what I mean? Who am I to change myself yeah. after all of these years of coaches telling me this is what's going to make you into the NFL? This is what's going to make or break your career is using your legs. And then just being completely handicapped. It's just one of those things where I truly do believe in this game, we're going to see Mitchell Trubisky ball out and we're going to see his legs. One of the biggest flaws, I think, in this Saints game um, and I wanted your opinion on it because I know we texted about it, but I never really got to hear your opinion. It was when we saw Mitchell Trubisky in that wildcat um, draw where he got injured, that that just looked like shit. That looked like him just trying to mimic the Saints. He was Matt or Matt Nagy was trying to be Sean Payton with uh, Taysom Hill so bad. He had never planned that. He had never done that prior. It was something that we've seen Bill Lazor do from the jump, so we understand that's Bill Lazor's offense. You know, we saw um, before Mitch came back, we saw him do that with Cordell Patterson, which I pray to God we never have to see again. Um, but it's one of those things where you just look at Matt and you go, dude, like, what are you, why are you trying to be somebody else? Be who you are and don't force others to be something they're not. And that's my biggest take right now is to why Mitchell Trubisky could be the, the the player for the next decade, regardless if it's on the Bears or if it's not. He's going to be a top 10 quarterback if he's utilized correctly. And and like me and you pointed out earlier, Kevin, we have been having this conversation since we were three feet tall. When are we going to get a quarterback? When are we going to do this? When are we going to do We've been talking about this since like 2005, and it's not once been answered. It's never confidently been answered one time where me and you can look at each other and be like, this is the guy for the next decade. Am I right or am I wrong? You're 100% right. It's... But I think the part of it, too, is, like, we don't know. I mean, let, take Ryan Tannehill, for example. Oh, I beautiful mean, you, comparison. You, you throw the guy in, a, in the right situation, he's a top-ten quarterback in the NFL. Tell me why the same can't happen and won't. And quite frankly, will happen to Mitchell Trubisky. And I have a, flat, you know, big newsflash for Bears fans. If he doesn't return to the Bears, uh, you know, he'll be back this year, and he doesn't return the year after that. The guy's going to go to another team. He's going to be highly successful, and he'll probably win a Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. And I'm warning Bears fans of that reality because he put he gets put into the right situation. He's like Ryan Tannehill. He is going to have success, and it's going to pain Bears fans, and it's going to take five or ten years. But you're going to understand at some point what the real issue was you know, with the situation all along and who really was to blame. And that's why I feel so you know, sympathetic for a guy like Mitchell Trubisky. And I know there's a lot of people who don't and there's a lot of people who hate him and, and want to run out of Chicago. Um, you have to understand, all things considered, that th- this is not the ideal scenario for him. Um, he has so he has given so much to, and I think that's the thing that pains me the most. Is this guy has given so much to the city. He's a hard worker. He's a great kid. All the people that we've talked to on our podcast with ESPN Chicago have interviewed him. Says although they don't, uh, you know, like how he plays, he's the nicest kid. He's the hardest worker. Right. Everybody on the team likes the guy. Everybody on the team can give a good testimony about Mitch Trubisky. That's a rare thing. It, it's a rare thing. There's something to be said for that um, at the quarterback position. 
he's a great kid. He's going to be great somewhere else. The situation he's stuck in right now is not a great one. But one thing I wanted to pose real quick is, you know, it, it's a fun hypothetical. What if Mitchell Trubisky is a guy like Nick Foles or Joe Flacco in the sense that when the playoffs come, he turns it on? I mean, Definitely. 2018 against the Eagles, he was a stud. The guy played lights out. I know this. I mean, he, he threw for over 315 yards, I believe. He only had, I want to say, one touchdown to Allen Robinson, and the other was, I believe, a rushing touchdown. I may be wrong on that. Anyway, the guy played great. He led the game-winning drive. I mean, I don't want to get too carried away, but what if this is a scenario where all of a sudden on Sunday, Mitch Trubisky turns it on, the whole team turns it on, uh, and all of a sudden you see a different player. I mean, that that is that is certainly possible. Nick Foles, the guy who you're backup, is, is the representation, the symbol of that in the NFL. Um, you know, for years he's been the shittiest regular season quarterback ever, and then for some reason when the playoffs come around, he's a totally different player. He's a Tom Brady-like in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. It, it, it. It, it could be a scenario. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but it could be a scenario where Mitchell Trubisky is just different in the playoffs. And, and it's it's not unreasonable to think that's a possibility. Oh, I definitely agree with you. And um, to what you were saying, um, because I've done this a lot of times, I've defended Cody Parkey, and it was been a big thing about firing Matt Nagy. There wasn't a rushing touchdown. It was single-handedly Mitchell Trubisky. The rest of those points throughout that game, I be- what did we lose? 16-15? Uh, 16-15. Uh, those yeah. points, other than Mitchell Trubisky's six points that he gave this offense, was the, all of it was by Cody Parkey. So to say that Cody Parkey, it was all on him. Yes, it was fun to make fun of him. Yes, it was the double doink. Yes, it happened a f- couple other times after that, which... I mean, if you could get 100 points in a game for hitting a double doink, Cody Parkey would be one of the best kickers in the league. But my main point right now is that wasn't a scapegoat. That, like, yes, he was horrible. Yes, he wasn't uh, Robbie Gold. Robbie Gold still should have been there. That is the fault of Ryan Pace um, and the Bears management to even let him go, to even consider that after (laughs) one iffy season. You know, I'm confident with Santos. And here's my more confident part. Um, The fact is that he wasn't confident in Jordan Howard or Tariq Cohen enough to have a run game against a team that really only had Fletcher Cox at the time because a, a part of the uh, Eagles' defense, if I'm not mistaken, was injured. So we really could have utilized that to a lot of our strengths, and we just didn't. Trey Burton, um, you know, I'm not going to hate on the guy from what I heard. Not only was he injured, but he had anxiety. I'm not going to hate on him for that. So whatever happened that game happened. He missed it. Adam Shaheen was our number one tight end. We're going into this game right now with one of the best kickers in the league, with one of the best running backs that Bill Lazor, at least, and I don't know about Matt, uh, Matt Nagy, but Bill Lazor is confident in. We have a better offensive line than we did then, if you're not uh, counting James Daniel. And honestly, just a better Mitchell Trubisky. I don't know if you're getting this vibe like you said, the nicest kid. He's very quiet. Like, Matt Nagy will throw him under the bus and talk the most crap about him. And he'll just say, on to the next week. You know, I just got to focus on what I'm focusing on. Then you hear, and I hear, that he's saying, coaches are finally doing what I want to do. He's had enough of it. And it's that is the most I think you'll hear from Mitchell Trubisky, unless Matt Nagy straight up punches him in the face. Because there is nothing Mitchell Trubisky that you can do or say to him that will break him in an interview. He is the most polite. He is the most, um, he is what you want. He reminds me a lot of Matthew Stafford. Um, you know, there's other guys like Phillip Rivers, Aaron Rodgers, who guys do have beef with. Tom Brady, who doesn't want to mentor quarterbacks. Mitchell Trubisky is the face of a quarterback that you want. Not someone who has all the talent. No, he doesn't. But he's one of those guys who is willing to work for it. 
And to say that you hate this man's guts, you want him to be ran out of Chicago. Kevin, I know it's a totally different conversation, but it reminds me of Derrick Rose all over again. If no, if you guys don't follow basketball, I'll sum it up for you. The The man was the king of the city, the hero, the, 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 the hometown hero, basically. Gets injured and is ran out of town. This man goes off to hit over 50 points a few years later in a Minnesota Timberwolves Halloween game. He's now one of the best six men in the league. And what do you hear from Bulls fans everywhere? We want Derek back. We want Derek back. But a few years ago, you ran this man out of town. I promise you, if we let Mitchell Trubisky go, he will go on to the, uh, to the Steelers. He will join up with Ebron, Juju, Claypool, Connor, and, and Mike Tomlin and those boys, JJ, uh, TJ Watt and them. And they will win a Super Bowl. And we'll probably, I'm not going to say that, you know, if me, if it was the Bears versus Mitchell Trubisky in the Super Bowl that I would uh, root for Mitchell Trubisky, but man, it would be one hell of a story. And, and beating Matt Nagy in a game or something like that where he just completely gets the ball out and be himself, I mean, it would just be an amazing story. And I think we're going to see it. I think it's going to be the second coming of, you see it with, I know you're a big Cubs fan as well. You see it with Chris Bryant starting to get hate, starting to get flock. You hear about Javier Baez. They are amazing players. They're just not in the right situation or they just had a down year. And the second something wrong go happens in Chicago, they get ran out of town. And it's one of the biggest flaws of being a Chicago sports fan. It's just, it's horrible. I don't know. Yeah, it is bad. And it plays to the conversation that I was talking about with the impatience of people. The moment you don't start performing, they run you out of town. I mean, that's what happened with Derrick Rose. You didn't see, he started to regress a little bit after the injuries. People said, you know what? We don't want you here anymore. They're not willing to wait for change, and I think that's you know quite frankly, as much as I hate to admit it, it is part of the it was part of the conversation about Matt Nagy too. I mean, after he like people need to understand, and this is a life thing as well. People change, and people have the capability to change. Players change, coaches change. What you see from them in one given year, or one given game, is not who is not necessarily who they are for the rest of their time as a player or the rest of their time as a coach. It's just not the case. People learn. Rookies who are in their first three years learn. Mitch Trubisky learned from the the benching uh, and look the player he is now or it has been since that benching. And and multiple people in the organization have said that you know quite frankly the benching was the best thing that happened to him. But it was you have to give a lot of credit to him for taking the initiative to you know not be like Carson Wentz and ask for a trade the moment he gets benched oh, yeah. to learn from the situation and you know look where he's at now so i think that is one of the most flawed things we do as chicago sports fans is we get so impatient that when a guy doesn't perform we find the easiest way to trade him we find the easiest way to to get him out of town because we believe that that is the player that they have become and that's the player they, they always will be. When time and time again, we have evidence that that's not the case. I and mean, we have evidence years after years that a guy who maybe wasn't that good last year is really good the next year. Why does that happen? Because players evolve. Players change, man. Players learn. And sometimes players regress. It works both ways. Sometimes players, you know, get better and pro progress. And then some players regress. It happens. You know, sometimes people change for the better. Sometimes people change for the worse. It goes both ways. But... If I had to give, you know, one bit of advice to Chicago sports fans, it's be patient with it. You know, understand that these players aren't what you see from them today isn't exactly who they are. Be willing to know that there's different factors involved into why maybe they're struggling in their respective areas. Uh, and I think we can become a much more respected and better fan base if we allow ourselves to do that. I completely agree. And I think another big thing is, 
um, to, to add on to your point, and I'm going to ask one more question for you, and then I'll let you go. I know you're probably busy. Um, to add to your point, I don't know if you follow the White Sox, but Lewis Robert, going into this year, I had so many people texting me, he is going to be Mike Trout right off the bat. He is going to be the next Mike Trout. He is going to be better than Mike Trout. We overhype the players we have instead of, I think someone perfect who does this in Chicago sports is, and Matt Nagy does it as well, um, Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan is utilizing Kobe White, is utilizing Zach Levine and everybody to their strengths and, and not wanting them to be something they're not, not expecting them to be this Hall of Fame talent right off the bat. But with uh, with Bears fans and Matt Nagy, I just think he expected Mitchell Trubisky to be a 10-year veteran right off the bat. And that's that's just a flawed way of thinking. And you think about it all the time with um like guys like Ian Happ. Everyone said, oh, well, we might as well just trade Ian Happ. We might do this. Uh-huh. And then in 2020, Ian Happ is leading the offense. He is the only person on this offense that looked productive on a consistent basis. It's all about time, and it's this key word. Everybody says it, but nobody lives by it. Nobody, nobody wants to... Um, hear when they're wrong development we hear this all the time but nobody waits on it everybody expects all oh, developments won the two-year process no it's not jacob de was not who he was like five years ago and and he's been in the yep. league a while it takes a long time garrett cole was not who he was in in pittsburgh i did not fear garrett cole the way i fear garrett cole 10 years later if that makes any sense to anybody i just truly do believe and Nick Foles, nobody gave a crap about Nick Foles until he went back to the Eagles and for that Super Bowl run. Nobody thought they were, they thought they were going to be first round exits. Carson Wentz was their MVP um, at the time before he tore his ACL. And they thought they were one and done. It takes one magic moment. And and to tie into my final question for you before I let you go, and I want you to you know do a, a shout out for Bears Nation podcast. I want you to tell everybody where you can find it because if you guys do not listen to it, it is one of the best podcasts about Bears sports in general. They have great guests. Jake and the others are, are a great listen, especially just to hear my boy Kevin get heated. Um, and, and one thing I took from your guys' podcast and I wanted to ask you about is, do you think we could see a situation where Mitchell Trubisky in this playoff run, like you and I talked earlier, could make the case for playoff MVP, could actually take us to the bowl. Not that we win it, but if they just let him have the reins and him and Bill Lazor, David Montgomery, I think we can go the distance truly if Roquan Smith and Darnell Mooney are okay. It's a conversation a lot of people are afraid to have because they've built everything uh you know they built all of their opinions on the fact that this team cannot do it this team is not good and people will stand by that but i implore you to believe that that's not the case first of all well, how do you get there it starts to get the saints um the, the saints last year you know that team was 13 and 3 Very they barely special. missed out on the one and two seeds they got the third seed and they ended up playing the minnesota vikings at home in in the superdome against a 10 and 6 six seed minnesota vikings team we all know what happened in that game. The Vikings upset the Saints. And you're telling me that the Bears can't do that? You're telling me that the Bears can't you exactly. know, do any of this against any other teams? <sighs> Aside from the Packers, and the second game against the Packers was not a blowout. The box score line in that game, the Bears have kept it close with pretty much every team uh, that is in the playoffs now. And, and Mike, let me present to you this as well. The Bears had the hardest strength of schedule oh, yeah. among all playoff teams in the NFL. It is confirmed that it's statistical. They had the ninth hardest strength of schedule in the NFL, but that ended up being the hardest strength of schedule among all teams 
in the NFL. And we already already talked. I already talked to you earlier about um, the roster being there. The Bears can do some damage. I mean, the Bears can do damage. They have the roster to do it. There is a chance they can make the Super Bowl, and you can't tell me differently. If if they do beat the Saints now, and then they go to Green Bay, I promise you, Mike, you know this. Being an athlete covering sports, the one of the hardest things to do is beat a team three times in a row. Oh yeah, you learn so much from the previous two games that you play from that team that beating a team three times in a row consecutively is a very very hard thing to do. And the Bears would be facing that, you know, head on going to Green Bay in the division round. But to do what the Packers did three straight times, it is extremely hard. And after that, you play. If you win that game, you're you're playing a beatable potentially a very beatable Bucks team, a Seahawks team. Like your biggest hurdle to get to the Super Bowl would be that Packers game. And it really you know, would. They have a very good chance to beat the Saints. So I'm 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 not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl. Am I saying there is a legitimate chance? Yes. I'm going to put $5 on them to win the Super Bowl at plus 8,000. I think it's actually at plus 10,000 now. I believe they have the lowest odds to win the Super Bowl, even lower than the Washington football team, which is asinine. But I'm putting money on it. You know, $5 if they win the Super Bowl, $400 for me. And, you know, who cares? It's $5. I'm putting it on there. And I'll take I that bet. Do it unless, yeah, yeah, screw it. And I wouldn't do it unless I believe they had a chance. And right. because of their current situation, because of their roster, they – have a chance they can make some noise they can do some damage Mitch Trubisky could be the playoff MVP all this can happen and it's it's it, I'm I, it just talks to how excited I am Mike for Sunday I mean it is going oh, to be an incredible day we, we I, I know you're look at you you're you're already you know <laughs> dreaming of it looking at getting excited for it can't uh, come and sooner. as Bears fans you have to because they've made the playoffs six times in the last 25 years um this doesn't happen frequently for us in our fan base. So right. you have to cherish this moment, embrace the moment, and exactly. you know, soak it all in. It's one of those things where, and you said it on Bears Nation podcast, and I think it was one of the greatest points I was listening in. Um, we don't deserve to be here. We don't deserve to be here. Why are we even playing? That is the narrative throughout Chicago span- fans right now. I know you might have just had an aneurysm thinking I thought that. But um, <laughs> it, it's just all I hear is, oh, I mean, we couldn't even get a, our own win to get in. Who, I'm sorry, who gives a shit? The way you get in is the way you get in. And and it honestly, it means nothing. It means nothing. That loss meant nothing because the fact is we're in, we're here, and let's make the most of it. Mitchell Trubisky said it best is we have nothing to lose. Now, I didn't really like him saying that because he, he actually does have something to lose. He has his job. But, um, like, you know, if he does play a bad game, there is a good chance that we might not see Mitchell Trubisky next year. Matt Nagy could make that case. Um, but... And he definitely would use that as an escape goat, but that's I think what's going to fuel us going into the playoffs is we're n- that that narrative that we're not supposed to be here in the eyes of Tampa and the eyes of Green Bay and and like you said, playing sports as long as me and you have, you get these scouting reports, you get to and not only that, you get the film, you get to play against them, and you know every nook and cranny about that team around the third time playing them that year. It's one of those things where when I would play in baseball or lacrosse and we'd play our rivals, I knew everything about them going into the first game of the year. But by the end of the year, I knew their mom. I knew their best friend. I knew, you know, old injuries they used to have. I know every single thing I need to know. And right now, these first two Packers game, not even going to lie to you, I knew we were going to lose. I knew we were going to lose going into this year. But my biggest thought process was, all right, we just evaluate it. We evaluate everything we did right. We learn from each game. Let's think about it. Our first game against them, 
It was really bad offensively. The defense looked horrendous. Our offense was bad as well. Second game, our offense was actually pretty solid throughout three quarters of football and then just fell apart towards the end, couldn't get it done. Big part of that was Matt Nagy forcing four to five fourth and ones um, and then not ending up getting the, the game, the, the most important one. But it, it's one of those things where we have learned so much and the defense is getting so much better. Jalen Johnson is returning. Roquan Smith might return by that time for the Packers game, third time around. I promise you he is not going to be no scrub. He's not going to act weaker because of that. Darnell Mooney is pissed off. Uh, Akeem Hicks literally beat the shit out of somebody. He is pissed off. And and I'll let you respond. But after that, I, I really do. Kevin, thank you for being on. Um, I do want you to talk about Bears Nation podcast. I want you to talk about everything, where you could find it, what you're doing, the t-shirts. I have an amazing Bears uh, Bears Nation podcast t-shirt. Um, took about a month or so to get here. Completely worth it. It's my good luck charm. What are we now, Kevin? Three and one wearing this shirt? Um, and then Darnell Mooney and Roquan Smith got injured and Jalen Johnson. So, I mean, you know, it's not really on the shirt, but Kevin, thank you for being on. You're, you're my brother for life. Uh, go ahead, man. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to self-promote too much, but yeah, you can find Bears podcast on Apple podcast, Spotify, anywhere you find your podcast. We're on Twitter too. We love to interact with our fans on Twitter at Bears Nation pod. And we just recently kind of created an Instagram, um, voice crack, tried to get a little bit more exposure on there. Bears Nation podcast. <clears throat> on, my, on Instagram, but yeah, Mike, I mean, this was a blast, man. Always loving talking sports with you, and I know big things are in store for the Mike on Mike podcast, and we're both doing our things and both growing here and, yes, and breaking into the industry, so it's exciting times for the both of us, and you know, a great opportunity here to, to share some of our thoughts and, and opinions on Chicago sports as we kind of evolve here in the industry, so real great time, um, and, and Barry Don, man, Sunday's going to be a very, very fun day. Better on, brother. Alright, this is Mike Hughes from Mike on the Mic. I hope you guys tune in for pregame predictions on Saturday. Saturday. This is Mike Hughes. Peace out.